2: Welcome to Golf Betting On Demand. I'm your host, Rick Gaiman. And today, we're not only going to look back at last week's TaylorMade Driving Relief, the first live golf that we have had in what feels like an eternity, but I guess in reality, it's been nine weeks or so without golf. Uh, but we're going to break that down and how that actually is going to help us handicap golf as it returns. So what's interesting is we saw a big, you know, a lot of insight we learned from just four guys on the course last week at TaylorMade Driving Relief, and I think that there's some information that we can take from that experience and look forward. Additionally, uh, Tiger versus Phil coming up, the match, part two, Tom Brady involved, Peyton Manning involved, and we've seen pretty significant odds changes since the last time we broke it down. So we're going to talk through uh, what the new odds are, whether there is value on either side and why those numbers have been changing. So uh, first and foremost, Taylor made driving relief. Um, The relief was we had live golf again. You know, it was, it was great to see four world-class golfers, uh, Rory McIlroy, Dustin Johnson, Ricky Fowler, Matthew Wolf, all played together on live television, uh, for some stakes. Now the stakes were obviously for charitable donations, uh, with, with the COVID-19 relief fund, certainly a big aspect of this, but for us golf fans, uh, it was nice to see. And it was an optimistic moment. Uh, certainly that, the return of golf can be done. The return of golf with CDC social distancing guidelines can work. We saw those four guys generally stay very far away from each other outside, you know, the six foot recommendation. We did not see any high fives or fist bumps or anything like that. They were able to, uh, uh withstand any, you know, react like that. That is very natural to to high five a guy, to shake their hand, to do whatever on the golf course. And, uh, they were able to, 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 to forego that. So it was good to see there were just a few, um, like they had, they had one guy walking with the group, uh, who was the only guy who was allowed to touch the flagstick. So if the flagstick wanted, if Rory wanted the flagstick out, this gentleman would remove it. He would put it back and no one else would touch the flagstick that that is a great practice when you only have four guys on the course. I'm, I'm interested to see if the PGA Tour will institute something like that when golf returns, whether it is uh, one person at every hole and this person's just in charge of hole number six, take the flag out when, when a player requests it, put it back in uh, when, the, when the hole is complete, something like that. Uh, we, we will see and, and what other strategies the tour uses, but uh, a, a really good job on, on social distancing uh, guidelines. Certainly, you know, even when a putt was conceded, you weren't seeing an opponent pick up another player's uh, golf ball, toss it back to them. They were, you know, using their, their foot or their club to, to kind of kick it back or whatnot, or the player was going and grabbing, grab it, grabbing it themselves. You know, you don't think of how much, you uh, touching, for lack of a better term, goes on in golf, uh, other people's equipment, um, the same the same object out there until you're actually watching and really paying attention to it. And that is what this Taylor made driving relief gave us. But again, really optimistic about this. I think that um, the PGA Tour, certainly, uh, of course, the charitable aspect, of course, the entertainment aspect, all of that, but this was a test run. This was a test run for golf to come back. And I think that tiger and phil will will also uh kind of build on the momentum of a return to golf the course seminal a course that we don't see a course that does not have the infrastructure to host a pga tour event or really many events you know it doesn't have the parking the traffic the grand the ability putting uh to put in grandstands so getting to see it with only four guys out there it it, it was impressive and it was biting back. You know, the, the telecast kept mentioning something like a, a, instead of a green being hit a green visited, because you could hit a shot that lands on the green rolls a little bit and then rolls off into a bunker or rolls down into a collection area. And that is jokingly considered a green visited as a, as a type of stat. Um, and we saw it even on the very last, uh, shot, which we'll get to in a second, you know Rory McIlroy is is begging for his ball to stay on the green, and when you have the world's number one player uh, begging for a ball to stay on a green, that is a sign that this course is biting back. This course is difficult, and this course can uh, can smack you around a little bit. So uh, I thought that that was interesting, and it looked really well on TV. Now Rory McIlroy and Dustin Johnson are going to end up winning. This skins match, it was 11 to 7, although there was a uh, really just a massive carryover at the end. Uh, I believe the last four or five holes were carried over. Uh, They tied 17. They tied 18. They went to a closest to the pin. That was the tiebreaker for this event. Uh, They went back to 17, which is a par three, and they played a closest to the pin. Matthew Wolf hit one pretty good shot. I, I, it was hard to kind of tell on TV. I don't know, maybe 12, 15 feet, something like that. Um, Dustin Johnson and Ricky Fowler both proceeded to then, uh, miss the green Ricky's shot. I, I hate to say it might, might've been a shank. Uh, really, really not a good, not a good shot. I think DJ missed it left into the bunker. And then Rory McElroy, the number one player in the world steps up. All the pressure, one shot to either win or lose if he can hit it inside Matthew Wolf's ball, and he does. I guess that should be no surprise from the number one player in the world, the guy that has really dominated golf over the course of the last 12 or 18 months, uh, last year's player of the year. Uh, To show up in that spot with $1.1 million of skins on the line, but also knowing this one shot is the difference between winning or losing is big, of course. Now, uh, Rory jokingly said, you know, I'm not uh, I'm not really known for my wedge play, uh, which which is a really funny comment to make because he's right. You know, Rory is such a great driver of the golf ball that he often has wedge in. Uh, to a lot of greens and he has historically or at least recently not been a great wedge player that's that's not been a a strength of his game but he was able to muster it up for uh one shot and 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 winning the the closest to the pin challenge um the the match unfortunately you know i was in i was an investor in in the oklahoma state side of this the ricky fowler matthew wolf underdog side of this and it seemed as if They really picked up a lot of steam over the course of the week. Uh, The odds were getting shorter. Uh, You know, Rory and DJ were not as big of a favorites when uh, this match closed or when this match teed off um, as they were maybe a week or two prior. And it really played out until the end what a lot of us thought it could, which is a very volatile Uh, and whoever is going to win is basically going to win this, win the skins at the right time. I mentioned that, you know, uh, DJ and Rory did not win a skin after hole number six until the final, you know, the final hole, the final closest to the pin. And because they won all of their skins kind of early in the match, those were the low denomination skins. Uh, then Ricky Fowler gets hot. And, and starts, uh, you know, piling up multiple skins, you know, 7 through 16, and all of a sudden, the Matthew Wolf Ricky Fowler group, they're out in the lead. And in fact, they could have won um, either, if they would have won any of these holes, if they would have won 16, or 17, or 18, or of course the closest to the pin, they would have won this match. So that's what's a little I don't want to say it's annoying, upsetting, whatever. It just feels like if you were if you're a backer of the underdogs, you feel like this one slipped away a little bit because you had so many opportunities at it. Uh 16, 17, 18. There was a shot on it had to have been 16. Rory was in the bunker um in front of the green. It's kind of like a drivable-ish par four. And he hits this absolute clutch shot to to one inch. He almost he almost holds it um to have to tie. 16 then they go to 17 which is the par three they all you know get in and par there uh and then they go to the to 18 and they can't break the tie and it goes to the closest to the pin but it really felt like a missed opportunity for the underdogs who had so many chances to close it out the favorites needed everything to go right and of course it did uh for them to to hoist you know the metaphorical trophy i don't even know if there was a trophy for this event uh at Seminole. A lot of this event turned into Rory versus Ricky. Quite frankly, Dustin Johnson did not play well at all. I, I think that's kind of putting it nicely. Uh, not only did he not play well, he kind of seemed like he checked out on the back nine. I mean, that's very on brand for DJ, I suppose. It's, it's, um, he has a very laid back, checked out feel, which when he's winning a golf tournament, we we praise him for. And we say, wow, he's he's so, you know, emotionally detached from this. That's why he's such a great player. Uh, but when you're playing poorly, it looks like you don't care. So a little bit of a of a double-edged sword for Dustin Johnson. Um, we'll see. Uh, you know, I, I think that. It was like he had only he had only picked up clubs uh, I think a week before this uh, event and it certainly showed. Uh, the short game was was pretty weak. The driver was all over the place. He rinsed a couple of balls. Um, not a good showing from Dustin Johnson. And then Matthew Wolf, uh, you know, the, a lot of the talk leading up to this event was how he was like, why was he part of this? Obviously, there's the TaylorMade aspect of it. Um, you know, a lot of people think he was kind of outclassed. He told us in the interviews, you know, he, he was nervous the first handful of holes and he had to work himself into that match and he didn't play particularly well. Uh, he did dominate and win both of the two long drive contests, which is the weapon that he was, uh, that he's there for, right? That's that's his one weapon. So he wins both of those and then he does hit a good shot. He's the first one to go in the closest to the pin challenge and you know, Ricky Fowler, was actually funny, made a little bit of a comment. And I don't know if he was trying to be funny or not made a comment on that tee box on the closest to the pin. Like you got to show me something right now. You've got to, uh, you've got to hit a really good one. Like, like not man up, but like, hey, show me one here. Like hit it, hit a good shot. And, and he, and to his credit, he did, uh, he put the pressure on the other two to have to hit one better than he did. It wasn't a spectacular shot. I, again, I think it's probably 15 feet or so. Uh, but that's, that's what he needed to do in that moment. So we'll see what he takes out of this. And if, if he'll be more of a household name moving forward, he has the very unique swing. He can bomb it. He'll now be associated with these other guys. As we look back at this match and the, you know, the look that it got in terms of, of recogni- recognition So we'll see if Matthew Wolf can kind of parlay this into uh, future successes. All right, I want to continue breaking down how uh, this looks for golf moving forward and our potential handicapping of future tournaments. And we'll do that right after these words.
1: DailyRoto.com.
0: Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Welcome back to Golf Betting On Demand. And I think more so than just enjoying Made Driving Relief and the fact that we got to see four great players battle it out for any type of stakes even just pride um not only was awesome but i think it is really going to help us have an idea of how golf is going to be coming back and how players are going to be coming back because let's be let's be pretty clear here um and actually before i jump into that I didn't. I don't know if I mentioned this. Rory and DJ closed at minus one eighty five, which was down from minus two twenty five. Um, so that steam that I caught that I that I mentioned with with the underdogs uh, really did move the odds, and we're actually seeing that with Tiger and Phil right now. Similarly, because of what we saw, and and, and I think to put it mildly, that the game that we saw was rusty i think that's putting it nicely um especially the short games there were putts that were blown way by the hole there were chips that came up significantly short uh dj specifically didn't even look that good off the tee like it the game was pretty poor and i think we're going to see more of that there is only so much you can do in quarantine on the range even if you're playing golf every day if you live in arizona and courses have been open and you've been playing golf every day it's still another thing to do it under tour conditions with other tour guys with pressure on the line it's completely different um and then especially the aspects of the game that are so feel oriented short game putting you know chipping That's hard to replicate anywhere. And you're not going to be able to replicate that at, you know, some course you've been playing that's open in Arizona, right? Like these guys need to be playing tour condition courses every single week, you know, thick, rough, firm, and fast before they really start to figure this out. So with that being said, what I highly encourage you to do is embrace the volatility. Uh, That is the main reason I was on the underdog's last week. It is the main reason that, um, I, I think that get like golf tournaments are always wide open. PGA tour events are always wide open as, as far as who's going to going to win them. We've seen guys at 250 to one win them. We've seen guys at hundred to one win them. We've seen guys in the 50 to 80 range actually disproportionately win golf tournaments because there's so many guys that can pop off and win. I think you're going to see even more of that. Um, I also like if this was fantasy golf, if if there was an aspect of of ownership involved, or if you could fade golfers, I would be fading either popular or the world's top golfers, right? So think about this. When golf returns, um, you're going to get all your normal head to head bets, all your normal three balls, all, all, all that great stuff. It's going to be amazing, especially for one round, like one round stuff. I'll, I will probably not be betting a favorite for a long time uh just because what we're seeing is golf is volatile anyway I don't bet a lot of favorites in in single single round matchups at all uh I definitely don't think I'm going to be doing it as these guys try to shake the rust off. if we saw what DJ play, like DJ and Ricky uh, and, and uh, Matthew Wolf's scores yesterday what they would have been on tour it would have been ugly. Like it would have been really, really ugly. Um, They're not making a lot of birdies. You know, they weren't making a lot of pars either. Like there's going to be high scores out there. So what I think I'll do is I'll be taking an approach of embracing this weird situation, embracing the volatility, going and getting those underdogs in single round matchups, get the underdogs in single round, three balls. Those are already bet types that I think Vegas is behind on or Vegas, or or maybe just most people don't understand the actual true volatility in a single round matchup. Now more than ever, it's amped up. Uh, Now more than ever, betting the guys at 50 and 60 to one, I think is more reasonable. I think they can certainly pop off more, but I actually, instead of saying like, I actually like it the other way. I, I would just kind of prefer to fade, right? So yes, I think that someone from 50 or hundred or 200 could win it m- more often, but I think I'd rather target just the popular guys, just the favorites. You won't see me betting anybody probably super short for a long time. Uh, maybe unless it's Bryson who's giving us, you know, daily updates of his game <laughs> uh, from his backyard. Maybe, maybe someone like Bryson I'd be fine with, but I mean, even Rory at times and Rory, rory carried his team even even he at times was rusty uh and and if 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 that guy is struggling anybody in the world uh can certainly struggle first round leader i always bet long do- uh, long long dogs long shots or, or dogs in in first round leader bets uh certainly will be doing so but what i also think is going to be interesting is this golf is going to return week one back you know Colonial. Um, everyone is go, I I don't know what stats everyone's going to use. I assume everyone's just kind of going to kind of use long-term form, right? We're not going to have any short-term form. I assume, I assume that everyone's going to use course history as a, as a metric. Um, I don't know what the right answer is. I think I'll just use combination of long-term form and I don't know, what am I going to do? Sleuth Instagram for every single one of these guys and see if they've been, if they've been hitting shots, not necessarily, necessarily sure that's the key to success. Uh, but what I do know is this. Whatever happens in week one will be used as gospel in week two. So if Rory misses the cut in week one, it's going to be like, oh my God, Rory stinks. Okay. Uh, he, he has to shake the rust off. I'm not playing him until he posts a top five. We're going to hear that. Uh, we are also going to hear like, I don't even know who a good example of this would be, uh, Kevin Streelman finishing second in an event. If he finishes second in week one, there will be overreaction and everyone will play Kevin Streelman the next week. Um, whatever narrative that we get after four rounds of golf or two rounds of golf, if someone misses a cut, it will be used in week number two. So to me, I think the bigger mistake. I don't think there's really a mistake you can make in week one, use long-term form, use course history, use, um, whatever, Instagram, whatever you want. Quantify. I don't think you can make a big mistake in week one because it's a really level playing field. Week two is where the biggest mistakes are going to happen. And it's because they're going to use week one as the gospel. Um, it would be like deciding how the rest of the season is going to happen based on one week of NFL football or one baseball game. There's plenty more to go. There are hundreds of rounds left in the season for some of these guys. Uh, we should not be looking towards what happens week one and week two. So I believe that is what is going to be the biggest mistake that comes out of this return to golf. A big mistake for the telecast. Quick pivot here. Um, I did not think the production of TaylorMade driving relief was all that great. Um, I, let me let me try to explain. The production was great. They had they had drones. Uh, they had cameras. Like enough cameras where it, like there was a couple opportunities where I was like ah, I wish I had a different angle of this or whatever. There was enough cameras out there. I think they only had three cameras on the grounds, which what they were able to do with three cameras is remarkable. But you finally, finally have these guys mic'd up, every playing competitor mic'd up, and it seems like they just talked over them the whole time. I don't care who like don't have people call in. They had John Rom call in, Donald Trump call in, uh, Bill Murray call in, like. I don't care about those guys. I don't care what anybody, you could can, can have anybody calling, I don't care. Um, you have mics on these guys. Just stop talking. Just open up the mics and let these guys do the talking for you. It was incredible. The, the, the few little snippets or few little things that we got were great. There was a time that Matthew Wolf made two jokes at Dustin Johnson that I don't think DJ particularly enjoyed. Uh, Matthew Wolf was in kind of a sandy area and he made like a joke kind of alluding to that penalty that, that DJ got at what PGA championship a couple years back. Like, am I in a sandy area or am I in a bunker? Am I in a waste area? Like, where am I DJ? And I don't think Dustin Johnson liked it. And then I also, uh, he also made a comment when DJ rinsed his drive on a par five and basically was already out of the hole and just kind of played up and they like gave him his par putt or whatever. It was a non There was no consequence par. It was just like lame. Um, He was just playing out the hole and Wolf was like, oh, nice par, man. And while that's like funny, like DJ didn't like it. That's the stuff we want to hear. I want to hear like Rory, Rory was, Rory made a putt on number one. That was like five feet. And like people, you know, people were nervous. Oh, uh, oh, is he going to make it? Is he going to miss it? And Rory, Rory actually said something to the effect of, remember, I'm the guy who's won two FedEx cups for 25 million bucks. Like that's awesome. The, the pep talk that Ricky gave Matthew Wolf on the closest to the pin tiebreaker. That's awesome. You don't need commentators. Just turn the mics on. Okay. Uh, that is what I want to see. Not only here at these types of events, but also when we get back on tour, put mics on these guys, put, or, or get boom, boom mics around all of them. Like we need to capture this. It's so good. Uh, the European tour does a really good job of this. The European tour will, you could go six or seven minutes on the European tour without hearing a commentator speak. They will just let the player and caddy conversation happen. They will let the um, uh, crowd tell you the story. They will just let the scenes tell you the story. So that to me is what, the PGA tour and American style production is missing. These guys are truly characters. They are like Rory's awesome. Rory's great to listen to. Wolf was okay. You know, he's not necessarily like, he could be kind of dorky, kind of funny, kind of whatever, but like, he's fun. Um, Ricky's cool. Like, like let these guys talk. And when you open it up more, when you open it up to John Rom or, or Jordan Spieth, who has that amazing, Caddy conversation every single shot why are we not getting that so to me that that is really what I think the big takeaway from this should be is the production aspect of it because the rest you know the takeaways from each one of these guys game will probably be overreaction uh quite a bit so um I want to talk about Tiger and Phil Tiger and Phil the odds have changed pretty significantly since the last time we talked about this now that we have Uh, tailor-made driving relief in you know in the books we can do some takeaways from from that match Uh, so we'll look forward to tiger and phil after these words
1: dailyroto.com learn from the game's best dfs players we don't just give you premier advice we play every day
2: Welcome back to golf betting on demand and we've been breaking down tailor-made driving relief and more importantly uh well I guess maybe not more like how awesome that was first of all but then also how that's going to impact golf and specifically golf betting moving forward and the really big takeaway here is rust is volatility is bad play is coming from the world's best players, and if you know that now, you may be able to take advantage of that the first handful of weeks out of the gate, in your matchups, uh, head-to-head matchups, whether they are tournament or by round, I would probably just be pay- taking a lot of underdogs. Three balls again, tournament or round, I would probably just be taking a lot of underdogs, uh, and then in, in situations where you can fade things, so you know you're not required to make an outright bet on every single golfer in the field uh, or make a decision on them. But, uh, you know, fantasy golf situations where you you could potentially fade a golfer, uh, I probably won't be betting any super short uh, favorites when they come out. You know, if Rory comes out and he's six to one week one, I love Rory, six to one short for anybody. Uh, But I think we're going to see some, you know, really volatile results. Because again, I think the biggest takeaway from this is, even if you've been playing, you haven't been playing tour level courses and you haven't been playing necessarily competitively uh, in this layoff. So those are two things to, to keep in mind as we're moving forward. And the next opportunity to wager on something will be Tiger versus Phil part two. That's right. Uh, Tiger and Phil meeting up again, this time with playing partners. Tiger will be flanked by Peyton Manning and Phil Mickelson will be joined by Tom Brady um, for this match. Now remember, it is going to be best ball on the front nine. The back nine is going to be a modified alternate shot, which just means that um, you everyone's going to hit their own drive. They will decide what drive they want to hit. Or want to play, and then they will play alternate shot from there. So that is the format for the modified alternate shot. Um, <clears throat> a couple of things here: Medalist is the golf course for this match. Um, also similar to Seminole, a world-renowned course that we don't get to see because doesn't you know doesn't have the infrastructure. Right, you can't host an event because it um, you know, you can't park anywhere, you don't have the highways to it, you can't put grandstands there. Like it's just not going to work for a PGA tour event. Um, but it is just an absolutely world class facility with a, a members' list that is uh, exclusive as can be. The home course of Tiger Woods. Um, Golf Digest in 2015, so five years ago rate, rated this the second most difficult course to play from the tips now uh there are the tips at Metalist, and then there are the tiger tees which is a set of tee boxes that were created basically specifically for tiger woods um and they are very long uh there's you know one hole i forget what hole it is has like a 270 yard forced carry so not something that uh probably you and i could play uh, but it is going to be quite a test for these two professional and two amateur golfers. Um, the two ams, the two quarterbacks, they do have experience playing medalists. Uh, you know, anecdotally, they told us uh, in the in the uh, press conference a couple of weeks ago. Tom Brady played here once and shot a 106, and he's a single digit handicapper, so that's getting his butt kicked. Uh, and then Peyton Manning told a story where he ran out of balls at Medalist once. So uh, tough track. Again, another single-digit handicapper. Uh, it's, it's just going to really play difficult. Now, the biggest note about this, since the last time we talked about it, the odds have changed pretty significantly uh, in a lot of ways in this match. So as of this moment, the favorites, Tiger Woods and Peyton Manning, are down to minus 160. That is from minus 240 just, I don't know, seven to 10 days ago. In the same way that the underdogs of the driving relief match, the Taylor May driving relief match, gained steam uh, as the event got closer, the same thing is happening here. And I think a lot of people are realizing what we've been saying for a couple of weeks. These are volatile matches. Any eighteen-hole match is very volatile. When you start throwing in best ball and uh, all, you know, modified alternate shot, like you could have a situation where an amateur, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning hits two or three loose shots on the back nine, and this thing's over. Once they start going into alternate shots, so um, really hard to bet the favorite. I still think I'm on team tiger team Peyton Manning. We'll talk about that in a second. But, uh, if you haven't bet it yet and you want to be on the favorites, it, the price is getting better for you. Tom Brady, Phil Mickelson, that team now only plus plus one twenty, down from plus 200. So if you were on the underdog squad, I hope that you were able to get it in uh, a little bit earlier because the odds are now coming down. You're not getting as good of a value um i'll make a case for phil and tom brady in a in a second here but uh i want to cover a few of these prop bets that have also seen pretty significant changes in their uh in their odds but i will make a case for for both teams this is one that i pointed out a couple of weeks ago that i thought was pretty silly and and very priced wrong so it was actually, I mean, this is like the Super Bowl. You can bet anything. Phil wears a visor, minus uh, 150 now, down from minus 300, or a baseball hat, plus 110, down from 200. I think I got this at plus 200, or maybe somewhere on the way down, maybe plus 150. I'd have to go look at it, but this is dropped. And this is the one that I saw two weeks ago at these original odds and thought it was mispriced. Um, there's almost certainly no way Phil wears a visor, right? I went back through, and again, the guy might wake up on on Sunday and say, I'm wearing a visor today, I'm feeling good. I don't know. We have not seen Phil wear a visor competitively in like over a year, at least. Uh, I went back and was looking for any, you know, you go through the Associated Press photos, Phil Mickelson, any sign of him wearing a visor, and it hasn't been... It's been a long time, and the point being, like, he could wear a visor on the PGA Tour if he wanted to, right? It's some of these, some of these guys, if if they didn't have sponsorships, if they didn't want to, some might not wear a hat at all. But that's a big sponsorship opportunity, obviously, so they wear hats. Um, but Phil could wear. There's nothing stopping him from wearing a visor every week. So why would he all of a sudden wake up Sunday in a match with? tiger payton and and tom brady and put a visor on it doesn't make any sense and i think uh at least the general public which may be a bad thing um also agrees with me because they are uh betting this down so again now it's minus 150 for a visor used to be minus 300 baseball hat plus 110 used to be plus 200 tiger wearing red this is another one that opened up as an absolute massive favorite that yes he will wear red Uh, It was minus 600 just about 10 days ago. It is minus 300 at the moment. Uh, No, the no side of this is now plus 200 down from plus 350. So Tiger wearing red, still a very significant favorite, but if you wanted to bet it, you don't have to lay as much anymore. Um, Listen, I don't like, I don't necessarily love this. This is a little bit different than the, the visor versus baseball cap thing. I think he does wear red, but like, how does this get graded? What if he wears, uh, uh, you know, and I guess it was in November last time when we saw this. So it's a different time of year, but we, last time we saw tiger, it was or or tiger versus Phil. He was wearing a red polo with like a a black sweater vest on top. Is that, is that black or red? Does that, does that count as him wearing red? Now, obviously it'll be hot in Florida in, in may. So I imagine he's just going to wear his, you know, standard short sleeve red polo. Uh, I don't love it as much, but pretty pretty clearly that that red is uh, red is the favorite here. Uh, those are the two bets that have moved uh, moved the needle the most. Um, what I'm also looking forward to now is now that we have Taylor Made driving relief in the books, how does that impact Tiger v both from a CDC socially socially distancing standpoint? Uh, I think that you will, I think, I believe that the telecast for, uh, driving relief. And those guys did a really good job of socially distancing, being aware, um, making it known they weren't going to get close to one another. They were standing six feet apart in the, in the, um, victory interview. Like, I think they did a really good job, which then kind of forces Tiger, Phil Peyton, and Tom Brady to do something similar, right? Like they need to keep the momentum going, show that golf can be played. At a at a uh, a safe distance under CDC guidelines, and that this can continue. Uh, so I believe that they have that obligation. I also am interested to see what the telecast does. Uh, I am not optimistic because I thought the the production of the first Tiger Phil match was overdone. I thought it was too many cooks in the kitchen. You know, they had the entire like NBA on TNT crew there and Charles Barkley and Samuel L. Jackson was there and, uh, Ernie, Ernie Johnson was there, which is all fine and dandy, but they've got like nine hosts and two guys on the field and everybody has to get their say. It was just overproduced. Again, I go back to this. We have guys on the course with microphones on, let them talk. This will be better though, from a on course conversation standpoint, than the original match because of the addition of Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. Peyton Manning will almost certainly, this is not an official role by any means, but I think he'll be the de facto host of this event. He will be able to keep the conversation going between these four guys. He will have the witty comments and the jokes and uh, making fun of Tom Brady and all that stuff. So I, I really believe uh this will have better on course conversation than tiger versus phil did that conversation felt very forced in the original match they knew they had to kind of trash talk and make wagers along the way and it felt forced i don't think it'll be as forced this time around with more guys and guys that have less like Payne doesn't have anything to worry about he's a very likable guy uh you know he's got all of his all of his endorsements it'll be just a fine time whole play host of this And there will be a lot more on course conversation. Let us just hope that the production allows that conversation to happen and doesn't step on it the entire time. So that's my wish from tiger versus Phil part two on the other side, I'm going to make the case for both teams. So you can decide. Again, I don't like to come on and just tout whatever. I'll make the case for both teams. Let you decide. And then I'm going to give you one of the longer shot bets, one of the more interesting props that I will be placing my money on. Talk to you in just a second.
1: DailyRoto.com.
2: Welcome back to Golf Betting On Demand, and it's a week where we got to talk about live golf on television. I got to break down Rory McIlroy, Dustin Johnson, Ricky Fowler, Matthew Wolf, and not have it be like from a tournament two months ago or three months ago. Uh, This was new golf that was being played, so it was uh, obviously very exciting to see the, the TaylorMade driving relief event go on. Uh, it was exciting that, uh, you know, to me, it just provides a lot of optimism. This, this is an appetizer into the return of live golf into the return of the PGA tour. We're going to take a a small plate. You know, if that's the appetizer tiger versus Phil is a small plate, and then we're going to get to the entree and the entree is colonial on June 11th for the Charles Schwab challenge. So, um, we'll talk a little bit more about that, but Uh, this is just exciting times and using what we learned from Taylor made driving relief is a perfect example of something that I've been preaching for a while and it's embracing volatility. Um, people don't realize that golf is more like baseball than it is basketball. And what I mean by that is the results in small sample sizes are going to be all over the place. Uh, Rory McIlroy, I know it doesn't seem like it, but will uh, finish top five. He'll miss the cut. Rare, but it happens. The best players in the world miss the cut. Um, You know, he's going to look really good one day. He's going to look really bad another. Uh, Similar to baseball, Mike Trout's going to go four for four one night and zero for four the next night. Over the long term, over the course of the season, they're both still going to be awesome and top of their sport, but it's not, a sport like basketball which is played to their averages almost nightly. You know, LeBron's going to score 27 points, seven assists and seven rebounds every single night. Uh for the most part, right? Something close to that. Yeah, sometimes he'll go off for 35, sometimes you might even score 40. Um he's never going to score 5 points. That's never going to happen. You never have the volatility in the negative sense like you do in golf. So, uh, especially now with the rust that we saw some of these guys show off at TaylorMade Driving Relief. You really need to embrace that volatility. Turning our attention to the next live golf event, it's Tiger versus Phil. We already covered the biggest uh, line movements that we've seen since the last time we've talked about Tiger versus Phil, which I mean, the underdogs are getting steamed in a big way. Um, So obviously, that's changing a lot of things. A few of the props have also changed. So that's that's kind of moving things as well. Uh, but I do want to at least make the case for both teams. Um, now, you could argue I'm taking both sides of this. I don't think anybody who watches me knows that. I think uh, this is more about you know, don't, don't take, I'll give you both sides, but you decide what works best for you. Right. Uh, it'll be factual information. I'm, I'm still on the favorites. I'm still going to be betting, um, tiger and Peyton Manning. So I don't necessarily need, need to make the, like that's, I'll make the case for them and I'll make the case for tiger versus, or, uh, for Phil and Brady, but I'm going to put my money where my mouth is on the favorites here. And that number is getting better for me as we get closer to this event. So here's the tiger. Here's the, the case for Tiger Woods and Peyton Manning to win this match. Uh, They conceivably have the best pro in the competition and the best amateur in the competition on the same team. We really don't need to compare resumes of Tiger Woods versus Phil Mickelson. Tiger Woods' uh, resume in the world of golf is second to none outside of, obviously, majors. Uh, you know, a couple behind Jack. Tied with Sam Sneed for the most wins ever. He's been the most dominant golfer over the last 20 years. No doubt about it. There's really nothing on Tiger's resume that Phil can compete with. Um, especially recently. So the last time these this match happened was November of 2018. Phil was able to carry that momentum from the end of 2018 into the start of 2019. Phil, I think he finished second or third in his first event back. And in his like second or third event back, he won it. It was AT&T Pebble Beach. Since then, he has like one top 10 in 23 starts. Um, he's missed half of his cuts in that time span. He has now dropped out of you know, the official World Golf Rankings top 50 for the first time in like his entire career. He has his worst year-end official World Golf ranking since I believe 1992. That was 28 years ago. It is very clear Phil is at the end of his very illustrious career and that is not a knock against Phil. Phil's awesome. Phil's a uh, Hall of Famer. Phil's one of the all-time greats. Father time still undefeated. So we are certainly at the tail end of that for Phil Mickelson. Uh, for Tiger, you know, we've probably said he's getting out of, his, uh, out of it for, for a couple of years now, but um, continues to win. Tiger at his best is still one of the best golfers on the planet. Uh, I believe he's ranked 11th in the world at the moment. And the only, the only concern about Tiger is really the, the health of him, the back. You know, he was going to skip the Players' Championship. Uh, or he did skip the Players' Championship, I should say. He wasn't going to play. I mean, they only played one round, but Tiger wasn't there because the body wasn't ready. But when the body's ready, Tiger's been great. Obviously, he won the Tour Championship at the end of 2018. Uh, He led off into uh, uh, 2019 by winning the Masters, obviously. Then he won the Zozo at the start of 2020. So he's basically won three times... I mean, I know he won the tour championship right before Tiger versus Phil, but like three times in the same stretch that Phil Mickelson has missed half of his cuts. Then you look at Manning versus Brady and they're both great golfers, recreationally, right? They're both great. Um, you know, they're both, they both played like a six to eight handicap somewhere in that range. Kind of hard to figure out what their real numbers are. But uh, Manning's probably about a shot or a shot and a half better than Tom Brady is. The big thing, however, is probably the practice time that's gone into this. Manning's a retired football player. Outside of his obligations to his sponsors, he's got nothing else to do. Tom Brady, on the other hand, uh, not only starting a new NFL season, but doing so with a new team for the first time in his career. Probably a lot of obligations. Probably a lot of preparation. Probably not much golf on his mind. So... I think Manning was already the better player beforehand and, uh, he's probably practiced much more leading into this. That to me feels like by far the best team. And then just the, the, uh, in the goat aspect of it, I don't think Tiger lets Phil beat him again. Phil, the only trump card that Phil can play in the tiniest bit against Tiger is that he says the last time we teed it up in this match, I beat you and you've never beaten me in this format and that's the only thing that he has and i think tiger is out for revenge the other side of this phil mickelson and tom brady uh, you're getting a little bit of value here you were getting better value a couple of weeks ago but you are still getting a plus 120 so already you're embracing the volatility and randomness of golf and you're getting plus money that is generally generally speaking that's a good thing okay 18 holes match play um Alternate, you know, modified alternate shot on the back nine. Anything can happen out here in 18 holes. Getting an underdog's probably not a bad situation. And we just saw that. We just saw really Ricky and and Matthew Wolf, they were underdogs in their match against Rory and DJ kind of dominated it. You know, the last skin that Rory and DJ won was hole number six. Um it, it's all about volatility. It turns into a little bit of a crapshoot, quite honestly. And if you're if it's going to turn into a crapshoot, you want the value. Now, I will make the case for Phil Mickelson that his style of play is better suited for match play than it is for stroke play. If they were playing stroke play, the I think these guys are cooked. Um, but Phil is also a very volatile golfer. It's, it's what makes him a good fantasy golfer in DraftKings because he's going to make a lot of bogeys. He's going to make a lot of doubles, but he's also going to make a lot of birdies and eagles. If you make a double in match play it usually doesn't matter you know a par a bogey a a double a lot of times they're all the same because it's a birdie that won the hole so if you're going to make a lot of birdies you're at least going to win a lot of holes even if you give away uh shots on the other ones or give away a bunch of shots on the other ones making birdies helps uh the short game wizardry of phil mickelson uh the fact that he can roll some putts in you can get hot roll some putts in uh maybe chip in once or twice that's the way you steal holes additionally um there's a chance like i think tom brady is not as good of a golfer as as peyton is they're both very good recreationally but brady a little bit better it appears on the greens that is his strength in match play if you can roll a couple of putts in if you can be the first one in the hole you put a lot of pressure on your opponents and you can win holes that's the case for them i also have a long shot bet um this is a one prop that Kind of stuck out at me. I wanted to do a little more research. I did that research, uh, and I've actually uh, placed a wager on. And it's closest to the pin on number eight. I've bet two different players here. I've bet Peyton Manning at 5-1, to and I've bet Tom Brady at 6-1. to And I will profit, obviously, if either one of them can win this bet. Hole number eight at medalist is a 200-yard par three. That's a long par three, and it is a distance that both Phil and Tiger aren't necessarily great at. They're both outside the top 40 on tour in proximity from 200 yards and out. Uh, Phil has a pretty poor par three scoring average just in general this season. And this is the absolute heart of embracing volatility. I want to embrace volatility over the course of just one event. I want to embrace it over one round. And this is even smaller, one shot. If these guys play 10,000 holes, obviously the pros are always going to come out on top. They're not playing 10,000 holes. They're not even playing one hole for this bet. They're hitting one shot. In any one shot, I could hit it closer to Tiger Woods, right? Like, it's one shot. Uh, So this is the purest and smallest sample size, the best way to embrace that volatility. I'm shrinking it down as small as I could possibly go and getting pretty big odds, 5-1 to and 6-1, to on both Manny and Brady. All right, the odds are a move in. We are close to getting Tiger versus Phil, and we are close to getting back to Colonial for the Charles Schwab Challenge because golf is coming back. That field's going to have Rory in it. I think Brooks is committed. uh, Jordan Spieth is committed. You're going to see a really great field at Colonial on June 11th. And there is so much excitement about the game because we're leading. There's there's golf on Sundays now. There is golf on Sundays now. And I could not be more thrilled about it. I'm Rick Gaiman. You can find me on Twitter at Rick Run Good. And this has been another episode of Golf Betting On Demand. I'll talk to you next time.